This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine some questions teachers may face, and we give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and I'm joined today by Bob Bunn. Bob serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. He also leads a Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible, and he brings lots of teaching experience and Bible knowledge to our conversation. So, Bob, thank you for being here. Happy to be here today, Amber. Yep. Today we're looking at session four, so we will be discussing Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Uh, So before we jump into questions, I'm just going to share a little bit of our outline. Uh, So the outline is given just just to offer leaders a quick snapshot of what is happening in the verses. So we have this passage outlined in three different um, three different sections. So the first section, verses one through five, we've entitled the location. So here, Luke explained that Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem in response to a census decreed by Caesar Augustus. Luke also noticed that Quirinius was governor at this time and that the couple traveled from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem in Judea because Joseph was a descendant of King David. We also know that Mary was pregnant when they traveled. The second uh, passage in, in this larger passage that we will study includes verses six and seven, and we've entitled that the birth. Luke pointed out that the time for Mary to give birth had arrived while they were there in Bethlehem. She wrapped Jesus in cloths and placed him in a manger because the couple found no other accommodations. And then finally, verses eight through 15, the declaration. Luke told of shepherds in the fields near Bethlehem who were approached by an angel. The angel calmed the shepherds' fears and declared to them the joyous good news of the birth of the Savior, the Christ. The angels gave the shepherds a sign, telling them to look for a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. An assembly of angels then appeared and sang praises to God. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds decided to go to Bethlehem and see the child revealed by the angel. So our summary statement for the whole lesson is God's authority is seen in his offer of eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. So it's a good passage, such a joyous one. Um, Just the passage of announcing that Jesus was, was born. Uh, So let's, let's begin with some questions. Okay. So Bob, what are some ways we can approach a passage that is very familiar uh, as we prepare to teach it? Yeah, I guess we should start out by saying Merry Christmas to everybody. I haven't yes. <laughs> when we record this, it's not quite Christmas yet. So we're not really thinking that way. But this is the That's Christmas right. lesson. It is That's really right. it, it is a great, it's one of my favorite. Uh I love doing Christmas lessons and I love doing Easter lessons. Uh, and so this is no exception. But to answer your question, this really is a familiar passage. Uh even for people who who maybe weren't raised in church or don't have a lot of Bible knowledge, uh, they know about this story. Um, mm-hmm. If nothing else, they've watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special and they've heard Linus quote Luke chapter two for you know sixty years or however long that's been going on. Mm-hmm. But they also see it in Christmas cards and they see it in decorations around in stores and, and things like that. So they kind of have this this inkling that uh, that something has happened that this is that there's a significant religious uh, side to the Christmas holiday, and so they're familiar with it from that way. But uh, you know, for us as Bible study leaders, I think it's important to remember that familiar is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, 
Familiar is what brings comfort when you're going through tough times. Uh, and in this case, familiar might be what brings to your Bible study class a group of people who, who have never been there before or who haven't been there in a long, long time. And you may see faces in your Bible study class that you wouldn't normally see, but they're going to be there because it's familiar to them. Uh, it's, it's Christmas and they're just, they want to be there. They, they feel a, a sense inside of them that they need to be there. So familiar can be really great. But if you're really struggling with the negative side of familiar and the, the fact that it just becomes kind of routine and you're just kind of trying to figure out how to put a new spin on the same old story that we hear every year, then yeah, it can be a challenge. And I think there's a couple of ways that you, that you can combat that. First of all, uh, I, I, would ask, I would encourage our leaders to, to start with themselves. Uh, to, to ask God in, in, as, as they're preparing and praying through this and say, Lord, you know, just help me to see something new. Help me to be able to pick up on something that I've never seen before. The, mm -hmm. the word of God is incredible in that there's always something new, even in the most familiar passages. God can still reveal things because we'll never know it all until we get to heaven. And so, you know, there's always going to be something there that we missed some other time. And so I would encourage our leaders to say, to ask God, to show them, you know, something new in their own lives. And then they can use that as a springboard to teach their classes something new. And they can, you know, we always talk about teaching from the overflow of your own life. And as yes. God reveals things to you, you can reveal it to them. And then it puts a little bit of a new spin on it because you say, hey, guys, I've read this passage a million times like all y'all. This is something that God showed me. And it's really, it's really got to knock my socks off the last few days. Let me talk to you about it. And mm -hmm. so you can do that. The other thing is that another uh, another possibility is you can set this Gen this Luke story within the context of our Genesis study. That's one of the great things about uh, being able to be in Genesis for the last few weeks and for the weeks that are coming up is that it kind of gives you a context. This this we call this the first Christmas, and it's in a series of lessons that are first something. First this, first mm -hmm. that, first that. And, you know, the first Christmas just kind of dovetails perfectly into that because it's the it's the fulfillment of everything that we've already talked about in the last two or three weeks. You know, yeah. we, we get the chance to, to think about Eden and we get the chance to think about what God's created and we get the chance to think about uh, the first man and woman and their relationship. And we, we get to think about even the first sin. And really, when we think about the first sin in Genesis chapter three, we think about the first prediction of the Messiah. That, that God says, I'm going to send someone one day that's going to crush the serpent's head. And Luke chapter two tells us, hey, he was serious. You know, mm -hmm. He actually had a plan for this. And so it, when you cast it in that and you say, okay, this is where we've been the last two or three weeks. This is, this is a natural fit in that. And we're going to use this to move into some of the other lessons down the road. Then that kind of gives it a new feeling of its own. So it's not quite as familiar when you look at it in that context. I like that. So you sort of see how it dovetails into uh, even even the Genesis passages that we've just studied. You see how it fits uh, so well, and you see yeah. the Lord's overarching story of Scripture. Yeah. That's so yeah, nice. It's a perfect yeah. Fit. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, okay, so this is kind of similar. Um, what are some traditions about the Christmas story that are not necessarily supported by these verses? Uh, you start you start stepping on people's traditions, you start causing problems. So we're going to be really careful mm -hmm. about this. But there are things basically that we just kind of accepted or just seen and not maybe even thought about that really aren't in either this Luke passage or even the Matthew uh, passage that's the, the 
the companion passage for it in, in of the Christmas story. But let's just, you know, there's a, there's a little tick list we can kind of go through and look at it. Number one, uh, we sometimes think about Mary riding a donkey into mm-hmm. Bethlehem. That's probably, I'm going to say probably did not happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for one mm-hmm. thing, donkeys were hard to come by. And when they were used for a trip like that, they would have been the burden bearers. They would have had all the luggage on their backs. People people walked everywhere in that day. And even a pregnant woman. I mean, we would like to think that just because we're chivalrous and we, we just, it just <laughs> seems like the right thing to do in the 21st century, that uh, that Mary might have been a, had the benefit of writing for a little bit. But she probably didn't. She probably walked every step of the way, just like, uh, just like Joseph did. Um, and it wasn't an evil thing. It's just how it, how it kind of happened. Um, the other thing that, another one that we, th- we think about sometimes is this mean old innkeeper, you know, who finds this couple that this young couple with this pregnant woman and she's about to give birth. And, you know, he says, Nope, sorry, no room, you know, <laughs> go down the street. And, and that's probably not true either. Um, the, the wording in the Greek for in you know, we think of the word in, we think of like Holiday Inn or Hampton Inn or, you know, yeah. some multi-story hotel structure. And they, of course, they didn't have that back then. They really didn't even have what we might consider today as a hostel, you know, like a, a place where several people would come together, families might come together and live in separate rooms of a house or an Airbnb kind of thing. They really didn't have that either. Um, they were just looking for a room where they could find one. And so, you know, this, this innkeeper was probably more like, uh, just a, an ordinary guy. Um, and they knocked on his door maybe and, and said, Hey, you know, maybe you got room. And so he, and he didn't because he wouldn't have, he would have had just enough room for his family. Mm-hmm. And by offering them this stable or this, the, you know, this extra room where basically where the animals hung out, where they kept the animals. Sometimes it was part of the house. Sometimes it might not have been connected to the house, but it would have been a, 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 a small plot where, where they would keep the animals that was the best he could do. And so, you know, he, he wasn't being mean. He was actually offering the best he probably had to offer. And, you know, he was doing all he could. So I'm sure they were really grateful for, for even whatever, uh, whatever generosity he could provide for that day. The other is that, and and we see this, we kind of take this for granted, but if you really think about it, it's, it's, it's not really in scripture is we assume that Jesus was born the same night that they hit Bethlehem. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we just always assume, okay, they got to Bethlehem just in the nick of time. <laughs> you know, that Mary's water was getting ready to break right as they walked into the stable. Um, and it might have, but the scripture doesn't say that. It just says that she was pregnant, as you mentioned earlier, she was pregnant when they got to Bethlehem and that she had Jesus while they were in Bethlehem, which is incredibly important because of the, the Micah's prophecy right. that the Messiah would be born in, in, in Bethlehem. So that was imperative. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the very same night that they landed in that that area was the night that they that Jesus is born. So you know we just gotta kind of step step back from that a little bit and think think that through. One more I'll throw at you, and that is this idea of December twenty fifth. Uh, mm-hmm. We we mm-hmm. often think, uh, and I guess we pro- a lot of us probably know in our heart of hearts that this probably isn't right, but we just kind of accepted uh, that December twenty fifth is you know that's Jesus's birthday. That's you know whatever. But the fact that the shepherds were in the field, and we'll talk a little bit more about the shepherds in a minute, but the fact that they were actually out in the fields with their flocks probably means that it was not wintertime. It was not. Okay. Yep. It was probably spring or summer. (laughs) That's when they would put the shit. That's when that would have been the mating season and the birthing seasons. And so they would have had their flocks out in, that's when the grass would have been green 
and they would have had plenty of, of grazing pasture for them. So that it would, then of course, the temperatures would have been much better as well. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they, December, they probably would not have been out in the fields. So, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, you know, some of it we've kind of accepted as being biblical, and it's not really biblical because it's not technically in the scriptures. But I think it's a good reminder for us that, that the stuff that God really wanted us to know and to really focus on is the stuff that he did put in, that the stuff that he did inspire Luke to write. And there's certainly enough there for us to, to take a careful look at the Christmas story and to, to learn whatever he wants to teach us through it. Yeah, that's really, that's a helpful reminder. That's good. Okay, so you mentioned just a minute ago that we would speak a little bit more about the shepherds. And so that uh, leads us to our next question. How can we imitate the shepherd's enthusiasm for encountering Jesus? Uh, and then... A f- I love the shepherds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I just love it. I mean, imagine it. These guys, we just talked about, they were out in the field with their sheep. Here's this, this group of guys. You know, they're just doing their thing. There's nothing really ordinary they're ordinary folks there's nothing really special about them in today's world they wouldn't be you know pop superstars or uh you know social media influencers they would just be blue collar guys out doing their job probably a job that most people would have rejected they wouldn't want to have done Mm -hmm. that job Uh, they might have you know micro does dirty jobs they they might have (laughs) had a spot on dirty jobs at some point because it was a job that nobody else really wanted but yet here they were minding their own business and all of a sudden an angel interjects himself into their evening and it's just like, oh, my gosh. And then before they know it, there's a whole what what Luke calls a heavenly host, which is a military term. So it's like a whole army of angels that are just, you know, making all kinds of a ruckus and, and just, you know, really kind of blowing their socks off. And they're, you know, they're, they're trying to figure all this stuff out and getting this message about the Messiah has come. And, you know, the Savior of the world has arrived. And he's over in Bethlehem. He's over in the city of David. You need to go see him, this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden it's gone. You know, and they're just kind of left to themselves again. And, you know, it's just amazing. I can't imagine what it was like for them mm-hmm. to go through that experience. But I love yep. I love the fact that they're part of this story. But I, I think as far as for us, we're chances are this Christmas season, we are not going to be bombarded by an army of angels. True. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Probably not. Uh, it might. <laughs> it might. But, it's, you know, it's not. I'm 50-something years old. It's never happened to me in all the Christmases I've seen. But. So I think we got to kind of look at, okay, if we're going to practically apply this to our lives, we're going to have to look and say, okay, the angels were cool, but what they do after the angels left? Because mm-hmm. that's really where the rubber meets yes. the road. And they did two things. Number one, they believed. And number two, they acted. They, they, they had faith and they demonstrated their faith. But, you know, it's, it, it seems like a no-brainer to say, well, a ton of angels come to you and they give you this message, you're going to believe it. But the truth of the matter is God speaks to us every day and we ignore him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just human. We can, we can justify any number of reasons why we, we didn't quite hear God the way we thought we did or, you know, make some kind of excuse for not following through on something God tells us to do. And these guys could have done that. They could have thought they had a you know, hallucination or something, something they ate or something like that. But, you know, they didn't. They said, hey, that, you know, we need to check this out. And so they believed. But then they didn't just talk about it. They actually went and did it. They actually made the trip to Bethlehem. And so I think those are two great things for us to remember is believing and acting on our belief. I think those are the same two things that God still requires from each of us today, not just at Christmas time, but the other 364 days out of the year. He expects us to believe what he says. He expects us to act like Mm -hmm. it and to demonstrate Mm -hmm. our faith 
through our through what you know being his hands and feet in the world. And I think those are two really cool things that we can take away from the from the shepherd story. Gosh, that's good. Yep, that's really helpful because I think it's always it's always good to go. Okay, how do how do we how do we live this out? How do we respond in a way that is God honoring? And so those are some great. Uh, points to consider as we can when we think about that question. So this brings us, you know, every week we try to highlight maybe a pack item, the Bible skill, or a key doctrine, uh, just to bring that to the attention of group leaders who are listening. Uh, and so this week we have um, a really great option that I think can be helpful as you prepare to lead your Bible study group. Uh, so back in the fall we began. Thing where we added some bonus digital content into the leader guide. If you use Quick Source or the Daily Discipleship Guide, those teaching plans also, also included these QR codes that take you to this bonus digital contact content. And it could be uh, an audio clip, maybe a video clip, a map, some images. It's, it's just extra information to give you some either background context or geographical context to, to give you more context to this passage so that so that you as a group leader can be fully equipped uh, and have, have a better grasp of of the passage so that you, when you teach you teach from that so this week we have uh, a bonus content and, and it talks about uh, the word messiah uh, in it which is uh, it's Kind of interesting because in it, I, I ask Bob this question, what do we learn from the way that the angel described Jesus when he announced his birth in verses 10 and 11? Uh, and Bob answers that. So it's really an interesting short conversation, uh, but it gives just a little bit of information that might prove helpful to you as you as you prepare to lead your group. So I just wanted to point that out. Hmm, this is a good one. Always um, just a a gift and a privilege uh, to study God's word, especially uh, around Christmas and to know that he has sent our deliverer. We do not have to do anything uh, in our own power because he has sent a deliverer who saves us from our sin. And so we just get to worship him. We get to worship him. Uh, from time to time on the podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family. Uh, things like the Leader Pack, the Adult Commentary, and Quick Source are just a few of those. Uh, you can find out more about all of the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. Bob, thank you for being here today and adding so much this to this conversation. This is always a lot of fun, Amber. I appreciate you asking me. Yep, we are glad to have you. Uh, okay, thank you for joining us today. Next week, we will have Mike Livingston joining us to discuss Genesis chapter 4. We hope you'll join us then, too.